Welcome into the left turn here with KZLX and X106 Sports. I'm Jacob Blair. Alongside me, Trevor Mater. Hello. As podcast edition today, we'll be back on air next Monday. So Monday we'll be back on air with our first live episode of the year. Just a podcast version today, but we got a lot to talk about. Is it was a my one of my favorite weekends of the the NASCAR year is when you have all three series at Bristol. We'll start with the trucks because they ran on Thursday. They used to run them on Wednesday. I, I like the move to Thursday. I, I don't. I'm not complaining either way. I I like weeknight racing. I, I think we can not get into this we'll save this for another time but i think they need to move some cup races to oh, i agree nights. there's just something about you know you get home from work at five o'clock throw something on the grill grab an adult beverage or two and kick back and watch the nascar race where you go to bed i i enjoy it but yeah thursday night um that race was wild and that might have been the calmest <laughs> race of the weekend too is the crazy part it all all of each the, the interesting thing about this weekend is each race was crazy wild but it was in its own way. Yeah. It wasn't like all three were wreck fests or all three were wild finishes. The the truck race was a little chaotic. It was more of a, of a, I almost put it as a wreck fest. There were a lot of tempers. You know, guys not real happy with each other. The Xfinity race, we'll get to that a little bit later. To me, just weird. It was yeah. just a weird race to me. And then the cup race was more just exciting. Yeah, it was, the cup race was more of, you know, there were points in the race where like eight or nine different guys had a shot to win. I know we'll dive more into that in a little bit. But the truck race is the, the one that I actually got the opportunity to watch the most of this weekend. Um, I had other things come up this weekend that I couldn't watch. I didn't watch hardly any of the Xfinity race or the, excuse me, the cup race Saturday. Did catch bits and pieces of the Xfinity race, including the ending. But I thought the truck race was one of the most entertaining truck races I've seen in a long time. Really, there were two guys that were, it was evident they had the fastest trucks, Brett Moffitt and Ross Chastain. Um, Grant Enfinger kind of had a stretch there for a while where he showed his nose and was a threat to win, but there was just so many things going on, a lot of tempers, a lot of cautions, and I think you get that when you get young guys that, I mean, some of these guys had never raced at Bristol before. And, and Bristol's a Bristol's one of the most intimidating tracks on the circuit. If you, it's hard to understand. It's a half mile. the The G forces, the speed you're, the you're pulling there is absolutely insane. I've, I know guys that have raced late models at Bristol because they started a, a short track nationals there, and there are guys that have had to rebend their seats because their body's getting thrown against their seats. It, it's it's a wild racetrack. So if you haven't been there before, it's a tough place to race. And and we'll get to Chandler Smith too. And it. That's a kid that's going to do things in this sport. Yeah, I don't think Chandler is. As you mentioned, the guys up front that had a chance to win, I, I think you, you missed one. The, that 51 yeah, truck was I mean, was I, there. I think Chastain, it was clear all night, at least from when I saw Chastain and Moffitt, and Moffitt were the fastest cars. I mean, Chandler, Chandler was, right was right there, there the whole time. Top five all night. Um, yeah, that kid's going somewhere. Sheldon Creed, um, he has really turned it on lately. That was a, an interesting night for Sheldon Creed. Yeah, is right in a wreck early. Is I mean, lap nowhere two? during stage one, but then just the way basically being in that wreck early was able to, to play the strategy where all of a sudden now he gets up front late in the race and is able to, for the most part, stay there. He had to deal with a little bit of tire difference and the fast guys, the faster guys, the guys we talked about being fast all race got around him, but still saved a, a sixth place finish. Before we get more into this race, the truck playoffs did start. Unfortunately, we weren't 
back here in Maryville yet. We weren't on air, so we weren't able to go over our, our what a, bracket. What a weird playoff. But we're, we're going to spend some time. We're going to go through our bracket, but your you're eight playoff drivers. So weird. Brett Moffitt, Ross Chastain, Stuart Friesen, Austin Hill, Johnny Sauter, Tyler Ankrum, all with wins. Grant Enfinger gets in as the points champion. Matt Crafton, the only driver that, that got in basically on not being locked in another way. Guys like Todd Gilland, Harrison Burton, ben Rhodes. ben Rhodes, all top eight in points, not in this playoff. So it's a it's a jumbled playoff group. And this was really the first year we saw that in trucks with that what that shrinked playoff field of only eight. It's really been the eight guys that should have been there the la- the, the since this has started. This is the first year. Bro, I had, I can't think of any off the top of my head that didn't make it the last couple of years that probably where, where this year you end up with KBM basically being yeah kept they're, out they're, of the, the playoffs. Which you're, if you're in a KBM truck is basically unacceptable. the The 51 truck is in the owners playoff, but. No one really cares about the owner's playoff except for KBM, which they'll win that probably. But Let's just kind of break down some of the guys that are in the playoff. Brett Moffitt, defending champion, you know, journeyman. Ross Chastain. What you know, a what a up and down wild year well, he's had. It, wasn't even uh, wasn't even running for the championship until June. He, I think he, it was right before the went, Iowa he race. He wins at Kansas and got a little bit of help there with, with some – with Stuart Friesen, Stuart Friesen and, yeah. and then some contact between some other people, but wins that race, had no business. In that truck, has no business winning a no. race. Now all of a sudden you're like, okay, this truck's fast. But he's not playoff eligible but at that point. Didn't declare for truck points, was still running Xfinity points. They run and get another race. I don't remember if it was one, one or, or two. two before he's like, you know what, let's go for it. And then he goes for it, and then he's clicked off three wins well, that count. Yeah, because he, he goes for it, wins at Iowa. And I mean, literally that week, does gets DQ'd, comes back out, wins at Gateway, then ended up, I think it's just it just two wins that count, Gateway and Pocono, I think you're the only, because Iowa obviously didn't count. I think he's got three wins on the season, and I can tell you, and then he won an Xfinity race. Yeah, he's got three wins on the season this year, not counting the one at Iowa. But he's had... About the most eventful calendar year I think you can have for a NASCAR driver going all the way back to January when his ride. They were talking about Ross on the broadcast, and he's like the, the this weird mix of heavy underdog and championship favorite. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's that because as a driver, he's the championship favorite. That truck has no business being a championship favorite, and that that's why you've got that that underdog role on him. But that's kind of where a Tory Racing was last year with Brett Moffitt. Is you know they, it's they they had good stuff they got the job yeah. done but it really wasn't a team like that and, team should win the championship and then you look at the rest of the field you, you know you got your your truck veterans Matt Crafton Grant Enfinger Johnny Sauter you expect those guys to be there and then Stuart Friesen finally won finally race. gets a win at Eldora um he came close a handful of times probably should have won three or four races by now he's been right there and the two most compelling to me are Austin Hill who kind of just lucked into the win at Daytona earlier this year and then, and then looked really fast late in the race again in, in Michigan and has got in. And then Tyler Ankrum missed the first couple races of the season because he wasn't old enough, then um, ended up starting in parking for Nemco Motorsports because he didn't have the sponsorship to get in the DGR Crosley car because they'd had it for Anthony Alfredo for those races. 
ends up winning a race at Kentucky and well, has been fast in, in the process as well. If he doesn't basically start and park those races, he's, he's not, not. Yeah, he's in. not in the playoff. Ben Rhodes is in the playoff. Yeah, so it's a, it's a jumbled up playoff field. And before we talk about where these guys finished, we'll, we'll go round one, round two, who's in your championship four. But round one, you, you had Bristol. You're going to have most sport. And Vegas. Then you go to Vegas. So three completely different racetracks, three different places for guys to struggle, guys to win. But you, you look at that first round, who are the, the two you have outside and not making it to the second round? So I, I originally went with Austin Hill. Um, although, I mean, he looked fast at Michigan and not quite so fast at, at Bristol. We don't know a lot about him. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to do real well at a road course. But then again, it's this is the most wide-open road course on the circuit, I think. So I've got Austin Hill, and then I've got Matt Crafton. Matt Crafton just, to me, hasn't hasn't been Matt Crafton that we've been used to seeing, and I think he ends up not making it out of the round of eight. And we did make these prior, picks, yeah, prior, prior to, to Bristol. So that that's why we made them prior to the results of Bristol because if you make them after Bristol, we probably both would. I, I would keep mine where they are, but I think Trevor would change his. I might change one of mine. But not making the next round, I had Tyler Ankrum and Austin Hill. I, I think Ankrum lucked into a win, and with the guys he's running against, just not point-wise is going to get there, and I don't think Ankrum will end up winning another race. And then Austin Hill, I just didn't like the, the tracks that – the truck series was going to in this first round so those are the two i have i've out of that round so one difference there but then go to the next round you know with martinsville texas and phoenix those those three tracks are the truck series and the, the truck series the playoffs are a little bit interesting for them because you have a couple races then a long break another race and then a long break and then the last three weeks of the season it's back to back to back so they, they a lot of time for these drivers to to think during and in between these rounds but you, you look at that that second round who gets out who who falls out of the the playoff or playoff hunt and who's in that championship four at homestead so i've got being eliminated from the the round of six i've got johnny Sauter. he just has not like Matt Crafton, he's just not been Johnny Sauter this year. Um, he could end up going out and winning at Martinsville and proving me wrong. He's ran well at Texas and Phoenix in the past as well, but I've got Johnny Sauter out. And then I've also – I went back and forth in this one, but I've got Stuart Friesen out. I just – I think he's still maybe a year away from being that championship threat. Um, but he's definitely taking a step forward because I don't even think he – was he in the playoff last year? I can't remember. Stewart missed out. He either missed out or he made it and got eliminated in the round of eight. But I don't remember. Anyways, I've got I've got him getting bounced in the round of six. So my championship for Ross Chastain. Real quick, I just caught I said wrong round. Talladega is, is in here as well as part of that second round for the trucks. So Talladega, Martinsville, and I don't and they, think they go they, to Phoenix. Yeah, they don't go to Texas. Texas. That, that's where my mistake was. So gotta be willing to call yourself out. It's Talladega, yeah. Martinsville, Which, and Phoenix. That one's so such a wild card. That that whole round is is a mess if you're yeah. a playoff competitor. But continue. My championship four. I've I've got Ross Chastain. Like you said, I think he's some. If he's not the most talented driver in in the playoff, he's the second most. I'm a little higher on Brett Moffat maybe than some other people. So I think it's one of those two. And I've got Brett Moffat as well. He's just been so consistent all year. Grant Enfinger is going to be able to to ride those playoff points that he got. Um, from being the regular season champion, he's been consistent as well. 
And then I'm going with a wild card because it's, I, this just seems like a year where there's going to be somebody you don't really expect to get in. Get in. So I'm going Tyler Ankrum. He, he had been fast prior to Bristol. Um, and we don't really know a lot about him which could be good or bad. So I'm going to gamble and say Tyler Ankrum makes it to the championship four. My championship four, same as Trevor, Brett Moffat, and Ross Chastain. I've also got Grant Enfinger in that championship four where I differ is I have Stuart Friesen making it. And I think both Matt Crafton and Johnny Sauter don't get it this year. I know they're veterans, but they just haven't had the speed to get it done this year. No. Both have had – other than, than Johnny Sauter getting – some wins you got to win it over and that's it that, i mean there's, there's, there's nothing to, to really say no. we, we've had a good year it's been it's been all really it's kind of been a bad year for both of them but they're they're good enough that they're veteran they, they've been here long enough that they were able to make the playoffs but they won't they won't get to the championship four so similar championship four i know we've got similar champions but who's your champion trevor we go with the melon man we go with ross chastain i think you know the the roller coaster season he's had will get or will give him a somewhat happy ending. Um, I know he would have probably rather been in a Ganassi car competing for an Xfinity Series championship, but obviously a lot of things went down that prevented that from happening. So I think it's Ross Chastain or Brett Moffitt's championship to lose. Um, anybody but one of those two, I would be kind of surprised. The only thing that concerns me with Ross Chastain is. He's kind of bumped doors and stuff with a lot of people that don't have anything to lose. And that's a dangerous formula when you get to playoff time. But I think he can weather the storm and I'll take Ross Chastain. I took Ross Chastain as well. I, I, that, that, he's going to get to Homestead. I think we can all just agree on that. It, I think that track suits that truck, suits him and the way he, he likes to race. I but think the biggest round for him is the round of six. Getting through Talladega. And, and I mean, he's a good plate racer, but a lot of times in Talladega, things... Weird things happen. It's Talladega, especially yeah. in the truck race. Yeah. Because you have a lot of drivers that haven't raced these, these the, the super speedways, so it takes a while, and the trucks move around so much on those racetracks. But as we mentioned, there's a couple things that happen at Bristol that might have us wanting to change those picks. One being Tyler Ankrum really didn't have a great run. Ends up 20. Yeah, and if we'd have done this after, I would have probably flipped Ankrum and Friesen and had him like you had. But I'm I'm still going to hold out hope. But Brett Moffitt probably had the fastest truck all night. He ends up winning the race. Chandler Smith, we mentioned him. This is a, this is a driver that as soon as he turns 18, Kyle Busch is going to put him in a truck. TRD is going to make sure oh, he, yeah. he's in there. He, he's when you're in, I know he's in the 51 truck, which we think probably has a little bit more touch and care to it than both the 18 and the four. But when you're out driving guys that have been in those cars, those trucks all year long, finishing second when Todd Gillen finishes ninth and Harrison Burton comes home 23rd, you're going to end up in a ride. Chandler, Chan, well, Harrison Burton's with some mechanical problems now, but Chandler Smith will be in a KBM truck full-time in 2021. I, I'd put money on it. And his teammate's probably going to be Haley Deegan. Probably. That's or Ty Gibbs. One of those two. Yeah. Probably more Ty Gibbs. We're predicting way ahead in the future yeah. now, but But I'm I mean fun. that kid I having watched the the truck race at Iowa he impressed me a lot too, where you know he, he inherited the pole, got out front, led a lot of laps and maybe there was just some immaturity there in that race with the way he handled his car or truck. I'm not really sure, but he kinda of faded late. There were some pit road issues. And he, yeah, and he still put together a really serviceable um, finish. Top 10. And then turned around and ran at 
Gateway the next week, had another good run. I think did he qualify on the pole there as well? Um, so he's been impressive. Well, in, in Bristol, I think the, the key thing is not that he ran second, but it's the way he ran second. Didn't touch anybody no. all night long. Gave everyone room. He had an opportunity. He could have put a door to Brett Moffat late and won the race. And Brett Moffat would have just shrugged her shoulders and said, hey, that's racing. We're, we're at Bristol. Yeah, no, he, he didn't. didn't touch anybody. And, you know, Chandler Smith, three starts, two top fives, three top tens in three starts. I mean, he had a fourth at Gateway. I couldn't remember where he finished, but I knew he was up there. So, I mean, he's – I think he's the real deal. You know, there's a handful of kids right now, you know, on the up-and-coming. You mentioned Haley Deegan, obviously Chris Bell, Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick in the Xfinity Series. Then I think you got to throw in Chandler Smith there as well. Um, those guys – are going to be names you're going to hear for a long, long time. The kid's just turned 17 years old, and he's outwheeling guys that have been – I mean, Matt Crafton's been in the truck series longer than Chandler Smith has been alive. No joke. And I I believe so, actually. Let me – yeah, Matt Crafton started racing full-time trucks in 2001. Chandler Smith was born in 2002. And Matt Crafton's a really – Matt Crafton has a case to make the Hall of Fame based off his truck series career. And Chandler Smith outdrove him. Yeah. Three times. Get to third. We, we just talked about someone that didn't touch anyone all race long. And then we talked third. to somebody that I think touched, touched everybody. everybody on the racetrack with the exception of the pace car. The cameras weren't and on he the pace might car. Have, he, yeah. he might have got the pace car at some point. But Ross Chastain, we, we know the way he, he likes to race. And, and I don't have a problem with it. I think NASCAR needs someone that, that's I don't, willing to – rough some people i don't have a problem with it i have a problem with the people that don't have a problem with it but have a problem with it when it's other people for to to make that a little bit easier to follow he's basically trevor's just trying to say he doesn't have a problem with it but other people that that selectively that's that's my thing is is to me be consistent i'm 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 a totator I don't even know how the hell you say totalitarian. Big word, Trevor. Big word. Well, I was wanting to say totalitarian. It's like totalitarian when it comes to this. To me, it's either always right or always wrong. If we love Ross Chastain when he's going to bump the snot out of everybody everybody to get through the field. Did he pass a car without hitting him last night? Counting lap cars? or We'll we'll throw the slow lap cars out of there. if, If he is going to bang doors with everybody to get to the front and we're going to cheer him, that's fine. But we've got to be able, or not saying we got to, but then in my opinion, when Joey Logano does it, when Kyle Busch does it, when Brad Keselowski does it, when Haley Deegan does it, it's got to be, to me, it's the same. It's no different to me if Ross Chastain does it. than I mean, Ross Chastain didn't wreck anybody eh. on purpose. Well, well there, there was, he, he only... Put one person around, yeah, and that's arguable. And, and I'll get to where I stand with, with with what Ross does. Is there for some reason in racing now? There's this idea that you're not you are clear of someone until they're at your door. That's not how Ross races. If he is there, he's there. And a lot of the, these these younger drivers and, and he did just about put others, Ben Rhodes in the. There was there was a couple late in the race where I think after like he, he drove it in a little bit deep and he got loose himself and he wasn't trying to, to run into anyone. He almost wrecked Chandler I, at the end. He almost he Sheldon Creed. Sheldon Creed. But the, the one with uh, 
Raphael Lassard. Ross was there. Yeah. He was barely there, but he was there. If you're going to cut down on him, you're putting yourself in a position where you're asking that guy on the bottom to, to hit the brakes. Happened in the cup race. Denny Hamlin cut across the nose of Paul Menard. Paul decided to slam on the brakes so hard to not hit him that his left front, he yeah, knocked up his left front. Ross doesn't do that. To me, if a guy has to lift for you to clear him, he shouldn't have to lift. I mean, so, no, you can argue on me with that, but I just, I'm really curious, how long is this love affair that, you know, maybe not people like ourselves, I love Ross Chastain. I think he's super interesting. I don't care if he wrecks the, ent- or not necessarily wrecked, but hits the entire field on his way up through the field. He's entertaining. He's an easy guy to root for. But you know what? Joey Logano was an easy guy to root for 10 years ago. Kyle Busch was easy to root for 12, 15 years ago. So was Brad Keselowski. How long will this love affair that NASCAR Nation has with Ross Chastain last? Until he's in the Cup Series for until, five years. Until he I would even be that until long? Until he completes the story everyone wants him to complete. Or until he gets into Kevin Harvick or gets into Chase Elliott or gets into Kyle Larson. That's probably more of what it is. I mean, until he – everyone loved Joey Logano when he was at Joe Gibbs Racing and was finishing 10th or 12th every week and was just there and was little Joey. But now that he's not afraid to do whatever it takes to win and win championships, all of a sudden he's a bad guy. I mean, Ross Ch- I love Ross he, Chastain, but he is going to – if he makes it to the Cup Series, which he obviously has shown he has a talent to. I don't think there's any doubt that he has a talent to. But I'm not sure he'll ever make it. I want him to. I really, really want him to. I, I, they need guys like him. Just like they need people like Haley Diggin. But I don't know that for one, you watch the way, and I had a conversation with a friend about this the other day, the way he handles some of the other stuff that go with being a race car driver, such as um, you know the off-the-track interviews and stuff. But you didn't like his interview? No, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I really liked it. But, I mean, do prospective sponsors like that Th- stuff? That, that's the unfortunate. And that's, and that's the and problem. I think that's what has led to this form of racing we have now where instead of dealing with it on the racetrack, and that's what I like about Ross. If you're not clear, he'll put you in the fence. He doesn't care. Now, what instead of doing that on the racetrack, what they do is they lift and they complain about it later. Yeah. So there's all I'm, of this whining on pit road about this guy cutting you off. Just put I'm him in the fence. Of, and I'm it's torn over. about both of it. My idea is if you want to put that guy in the fence because that's on you. That's on you guys, and then go punch it out later. The only problem w- with when you junk people's stuff is then you get poor little Josh Room who's just strutting around on a Saturday night stroll trying to collect his 23rd place check and then all of a sudden someone he gets caught up in it you know we've seen that before but no i, I agree you know if, yeah, if I, everyone I, raced like ross chastain for one it'd be a hell of a lot more entertaining i think you'd get to a point where if everyone raced like him the racing would change because you'd stop cutting people off well and in, in nascar walking nascar has always been a self-policing sport i mean guess what if one of these guys doesn't like what all these guys we just mentioned he got into Raphael lassard um, Sheldon Creed. I had a lot of respect for Lassard because he was one of the only drivers that went over and, and talked yeah. to Chastain, driver to driver. It was just them two. They talked it out, and they might not have agreed, but they talked it out. Other than that, I mean, we had crew chiefs and crew members just yelling at Ross, and, and their drivers off. I don't know doing what it, the drivers need to go take care of that. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, look at what Stuart Friesen and Matt Crafton they got together. 
they were they were laughing and, yeah, and high fiving I mean, after way, that. That's the way it, Jimmy Johnson and Ryan Blaney a couple weeks ago. I mean, that's the way things like that should be handled. Let the drivers handle it. They're either going to agree or disagree, or they're going to settle it on the racetrack. Because guess what? Raphael Lassard, Sheldon Creed, Ben Rhodes, those guys aren't racing for a championship. They're going to, and, and most sport is a place that can, you can pay people back at. You can also make more people mad. You can also make a lot more people mad. So to, to, to finish this off, one of the, the things I hate hearing in, in driver interviews after the race is when a driver says, I should have put him in the wall or I should have spun him. He cut down on me. My, my initial reaction to that is, then why didn't you? I, is it is it maybe one of those everything happens so fast? Th- there is that, and the other thing is we. This is more of a technical argument, but the bodies are so flimsy on these race cars, you can't really touch people. I mean, we saw what caused some flat tires at Bristol. Some of that contact should never cause a flat tire. No, NASCAR's got to get these bodies fixed where some of this contact doesn't cause flat tires because you need for racing to be exciting. I mean, go to a dirt track and look at the dirt track bodies. If you have a clean car this late in the season you're probably running at the back or you've got a brand new car or you wrecked your car and bought <laughs> yeah. a brand new one yeah. i mean there's no good reason why you have a clean race car yeah. it's either you've hurt it so much you had to put a new body on or got a new car or you're at the back one and, of the two and you know so it, you have to be willing to run in that that's what makes racing exciting that's why dirt tracks every week there's decent crowds all over the country is because guys are willing to get into each other and they laugh at laugh about it after the race nascar you can't get into people because then you end up with a flat tire yeah so that that's a separate argument but to me if you're gonna say hey i should have put that person in the wall put that person in the wall and don't complain about it afterwards because that's what's gonna fix this is is it's it's ross if ross cuts down on someone don't lift and we saw kind of that at, at Watkins Glen with Allgaier and Ross Chastain. Ross was there. Allgaier came down. Allgaier spun. Allgaier didn't like it. He took care of it later. Yeah. And, and Ross um, was like, you know what? I raced that way. That's going to happen every once in a while. And he wasn't mad about it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's racing. I mean, stuff like that's going to happen. Um, but I do think he hit just about everybody in the field. At least once. At least once. So Ross finished third, Stuart Friesen finished fourth, Grant Enfinger fifth, Sheldon Creed sixth, Matt Crafton seventh, Ben Rhodes eighth, Todd Gillen ninth, Austin Hill in tenth, Johnny Sauter was eleventh, and then again Tyler Ankrum, the other playoff driver, finished in the twentieth position. So the, the truck race, I, I classify that as kind of the wreck fest of the, the weekend. Even though there maybe weren't a lot of cautions for wrecking, they were trying to pretty much every lap. Yeah, well, and you look, you know, you had a lot of young guys. Tyler Ankrum, 18 years old. You know, exclude Chandler Smith from this conversation. You know, Tyler Ankrum, Raphael Bossard, um, Sam Mayer, who's 16 years old. Um, and actually didn't look too bad for... That was after that fun K&N incident yeah, earlier in the day. Yeah, he looked... I think he made enough people mad in the K&N race that he just said, I'm going to strut around and try to finish in the top 10. But, I mean, he had a good run going, then he had a flat tire leg. Um, there was a lot of youth. Um, we didn't even talk about the best part of the truck race. I don't think. <laughs> you know what I'm talking. I know exactly what you're you, talking about. I I completely oh, forgot. Goodness. Now we've this. We thought this might be a really long podcast. We're, we've we're, spent 28 minutes on the truck series already, and I have a feeling we're about to spend at least another couple. 
Yeah, and then we've got 30 on the Xfinity series. We probably won't spend long on the Indy cars. Well, we'll see. Well, maybe, maybe. Might be a three-hour-long podcast. We'll break it up if it gets But there. I can't believe we forgot about the best part about when the wrecker met the wrecker. I don't even know where to begin. I, I don't either. It's gotten to the point with Natalie Decker that it's just unfortunate because... But it's funny. It... it you you know somewhere along the line you're getting a caution. I read a and I think I sent you the tweet too. Is it think there's been 17 races this year and the 54 car has been in 17 cautions, um, in 15 different races. I think Decker was a part of like 13 of those. I think I think Decker was 13, but then you can count like three more red flags in practice attributed yeah. to yeah or qualifying. I mean, it's just... It's did, did, did you ever go listen to the audio oh, yeah. that was out there? Of the spotter? Gosh. That guy's got... That guy had the worst job in NASCAR this week. I mean, and you could just... I wish it was safe for radio because we would play it, but it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't do any good because you'd only hear about every third word. I mean, and, and Kevin well, Hamlin's a guy that spotted... And spotters and crew chiefs, especially with a young driver, are supposed to stay positive, but... At Bristol, they got to a point where they just well, were done. But at this point in the season, can you really blame them? It just When you are able to put a nickname on someone, and there's been multiple drivers. You know, you had John West Townley. You could do that earlier with. I mean, Stephen Wallace. Stephen Wallace. You had Ty for Majewski. a while there, you had Bo Lamastis, who was driving that truck. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah. Where every single race they're in, you know you're getting at least one caution. Well, and you go back to... To last year with the that whole sixty team for Roush Fenway, whether Cindric was the only guy that wasn't normally of his doing, but he was still. I mean, Tymajeski, Chase Briscoe, those guys they found new ways to wreck. I mean, Travis it, it, Pastrana was the same way in that car. I mean, it's there's just people you know. Hey, that's gonna. My question is, how much longer do they give Natalie Decker to try to stop? Because the, the issue is you can't get better if you're not on the racetrack, and right now she not she's not staying on the racetrack. Yeah, I mean it, I don't I don't know. I mean, but, but when when you're part of 15 cautions and 17 races, and you get you, you extend a caution because you can't get pushed by a wrecker, there's an issue. Yeah, I I'm just curious after the race. Did she go up to the record driver and knock his hat out off like she did to Spencer Boyd at Kentucky? Which was the wimpy I know was the wimpiest way to show someone that you're mad at them ever. If you're gonna go for the hat, you, you gotta take the hat off and stand there and face them and throw it on the ground and then walk off. Then that's what you're you, No, you just you don't touch a man's hat no, you for don't. one. No, you don't. I mean I'm I don't know. I <laughs> I, I, I don't. So, I don't think we see her back in a truck next year at all. I would hope not. I think you'll see Haley Deegan in that truck. I think you'll see her in some, yeah, when um, she's not in a KBM truck. You'll see probably a couple different um, people in that truck, but yeah, I don't, I'd be shocked. I'm not well, sure the, the, she the, makes it through the season. Now, like at this point, they're probably done fixing trucks. I would be if I was on that team. I'd be. Done I'd fixing have been done trucks. about five trucks ago, but yeah, no, but, I. They've got enough drivers over there, and the interesting thing is the 54 truck is kind of supposed to be their one of their better. It's supposed to be their their truck, and 
they ended up with sponsorship well, from Natalie, and then they went to the 17, but they've got the 15 out there now as well. And those two trucks are outrunning the 54. And that's that's – get rid of the wrecking part. You're getting outrun well, by you those look, two trucks as then well. Then we've seen, um, you know, because Nice Motorsports that Ross Chastain has ran for, they've been throwing in a lot of guys too that have seen time in, in Toyota stuff, Riley Herbst. Um, uh, the name's just escaping me now. But Kyle Benjamin – I mean, those guys, I mean, they're not lighting Raphael Lassard. I mean, they're not lighting the world on fire, but they're not wrecking every week or, heaven forbid, getting spun out by the tow truck. I don't know. That was a – and I missed that part live. Um, I did, too. I, I saw it on I was Twitter and then had to go back and watch it. Then you texted live. me, and I was like, oh, I got to go back and check this out. What's worse, getting spun out by the wrecker or hitting a jet dryer? Need I remind you, something broke on Montoya's car that if, made him. If, if something wouldn't have broke, it would have been the jet dryer, yeah. but nothing broke on. Yeah. Uh, Just her brain, well, maybe. And, and the the funny thing is after the she got dumped by the wrecker, they went ahead and just towed her. They didn't retry to push her yeah. in there. Like, you know what? Get out. We're towing you to the infield. We're done. The Kevin Hamlin, her spotter's reaction is, is what makes it so golden. You know, I mean... Hamlin's a pretty veteran spotter. You know, he's spotted for guys like Clint Boyer and Casey Kane, and he's currently Alex Bowman's spotter in the Cup Series. And a lot of spotters spot for more than one guy um, or in more than one series. And I don't know how you get tasked with being Natalie Decker's spotter, and whatever he's made for that, he has certainly earned every penny and then some because that could not be an easy job. He doesn't have to work a lot. I mean, to be fair, only about half a race. I don't think he's probably seen a. I wonder if he's seen a full truck race this year. If he's been on the fifty-four truck all year, he has not. Yeah, I think it's a good time to transition to uh, the next day, being the Xfinity race. And before we get there, I want to talk about the dedication Trevor and I have exhibited over the summer. We have made our picks every single week. We have kept a points tally every single week. So real quick before just we'll, we'll get all this out now we'll look at the current left turn point standings. I don't want to brag. It, it's not pretty. It, it it's not pretty. It was really close. It's been the summer of most of the summer. It was, I it was close for most of the summer, and then I've the last four weeks. Yeah, I've you've just, sucked. It's been a disaster. Well, and I had that like five week span just in the Cup Series alone, where I think I had like two wins, two seconds, and a seventh and, or something and, like in that. In terms of picks, you were on fire. Yeah, because I, I had, I've, I've never been. Yeah. I, like, have a weekend where I get a first, second, and then a 30-second. I, I nailed Truex at Sonoma. Then I had William Byron finish, in, finish second at Daytona. Then I had Harvick at Loudoun. And then I had, I think maybe Kyle Busch got second somewhere in there, too. So, yeah, I, I, I had, like, a six-week span where I was just lighting them up. So, to my misery, the current point standings, Trevor has the lead 1,827 to 1,738. So, 89 points. So uh, with with three series all going into that, still plenty of time. Still but plenty you, of time. You got to get it turned. You've Wait. been saying that for a while. <laughs> there's plenty of time. Like I'm just doing enough to keep it close enough that I can say there's plenty of time. I, I actually have to start. Yeah, at some point you actually have to start doing something. Start catching back up. But in terms of, of picking winners, I'm up 24-18. So at least I'm winning something. Yeah, and I like how... You know, you look at the Xfinity Series race Saturday night. You had 
you picked Kyle Bush, and it looked like all night, you know, Christopher Bell had his woes. <laughs> I, we'll, we'll get to that. I have no idea how that car could function after that hit yeah. he took. But, but I ended up gaining points out of that night. Truck points. I, I, I've taken the lead after being behind all year in truck points, 501 to 492. But the damage comes at Xfinity points. I'm down 598 to 623. and then Which cup. you led until like yeah. four weeks ago. It was in big, too. When, I think when Bell got DQ'd at Chicago, that that's was, what really was the turning point and for you. Cup is just terrible. Trevor's leading 712 to 639. So and the way those points work for everyone out there that cares so much about Trevor's and I's picks, we follow the same format as the series. We just don't do stage points. So forty yeah. for a win, thirty-five just where you for finish. a second. But get to the Xfinity race, and and but that race was just weird. So to me, it was it was extremely weird. Weird things were happening all night. It seems like if you if you led the race, that was the worst thing you could do because you weren't gonna finish, or have an issue so Tyler Reddick had it made coming from the back of the had pack. to come from the back and I think it made made it to the front and then had another issue went to the back and had had to come back multiple times but for the most part it, it stayed fairly normal for about 25 laps and then then the the incident where a lot of fast race cars were taken out as his lap cars got in the way Cole Custer Christopher Bell get together they both wreck and then they're both sitting in the middle of the racetrack, and Eric Jones, driving the 81 car this week, just T-bones Christopher Bell. And Eric Jones' front end of his car is destroyed. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And you're looking, and the camera was not on the side of that Christopher Bell got hit on, so you couldn't see Joey Logano was caught in that, too. Yeah, Joey Logano was done after that. They tried to continue, and, and he was done. It was five really fast race cars involved in that. I think three or four of them were able to continue. Cole Custer, no speed in that race car after the incident. Eric Jones was done. Joey Logano was done. Christopher Bell was hit square in the right rear tire. Square. I have never seen a car get hit that hard and not break. Trailing arms, track bars. It, the car was up in the air after getting hit in that right rear. And they went to the pit, and they said, it might not drive real straight, but you're fine. Which, honestly, for a guy like Christopher Bell that's you know used to running midgets and stuff like that, that might have actually been... So at that point in the race, Christopher Bell's three laps down in 32nd, 33rd Something place. Like Kyle Busch is leading, and I'm like, here, here I'm going to start catching up. And then. Because every single week that Kyle Busch runs the Xfinity Series, it just so happens that Jacob gets first pick. And it hasn't worked out real well lately. How many weeks have. He's ran seven races, obviously. I know you've had him the last two. I think I've had him six of the I seven. I think I had him one week. I think I might have him at Phoenix. I can't remember. Early in the season, I had him. But yeah, every freaking week. That we, the Kyle Bush was entered. Jacob ended up picking first, and I was like, "Oh well, I, I know who he's picking. Who am I going to take?" And then I, most of the time, yeah. took Christopher Bell, and he would wreck. I, I got him at Watkins Glen, and I got him at Bristol, and both had easy wins. Yeah, and then broke and stuff broke. But so there was a point where Kyle Bush is leading Christopher Bell's way back there, and and then the weird stuff started happening as driver after driver was breaking cars were falling out yeah, cars I mean, were getting repaired jeb burton probably had a top 10 car 
He had troubles. Problems. Yeah, he had troubles. Um, Ryan Sieg, that's the one guy I felt really bad for. Got up, was running as high as second at one point. I think he had engine trouble. Yes, and ended up finishing 25th. Um, dude, I'm sure we'll get more into Justin Allgaier here in a little bit. Noah Gregson had some troubles. Um, Brandon Jones had a fast car for the first couple stages. It was just so Justin Haley had it was running up there, and then all of a sudden he had problems. I didn't get a chance to actually watch all the race, but he had engine troubles. Um, just pretty much anything. You didn't want to be up front. So Kyle Busch blew an engine basically at the end of stage two. Finished in the 29th position. 38 cars started this race. Yeah. So you get to the end of this race, and it goes green for a while, and this is just where it kind of got really weird is at this point kyle bush is out christopher bell never really was able to be a factor brandon jones has had problems michael nett had a top 10 car he got caught up he spun himself out and so you you have all of these fast cars with problems cole custer was part of that early wreck like we said joey logano eric jones they're gone so it ended up being a, a race between reddick and, and allgaier and allgaier had the field covered at that point allgaier early in the race was the only one that showed any ability to keep pace with kyle bush and he's leading he's well on his way to a victory and with a few laps to go as a flat tire yeah, and for all guy with go. the season he's had just heartbreaking for him tyler reddick assumes the lead and and wins where the re- where, I, where i said this race was just weird is you look at the rundown of where guys finished tyler reddick started 38 wins chase briscoe finishes second john hunter nemechek third Jeremy Clements finished in the fourth position. Yeah, that's and he's I believe that's like his fourth. And, and he had a fast car. He probably had a top ten car. Yeah, top ten, top twelve, but finishes fourth. Third career top five. Austin Sendrick finishes fifth. Greg Galding finishes in the sixth position. Yeah, who's only ever really and with a car that had Patrick Mahomes on it. Maybe that was a secret. Maybe. But, I mean, he's been a good plate racer, but he's never never really been and, able to do much. This is where it gets even really weirder. I love it, though. Timmy Hill finishes seventh one lap down. So six cars finish this race on the lead lap. Timmy Hill. But you Hill. know what? This was like a typical Bristol race from 15 years ago. I mean, I'm sure we went back and scoured some of the the race results from Bristol Bristol races in the late 90s, early 2000s. We'd have seen stuff like this. But Timmy Hill finishes seventh, one lap down. It's not done being weird yet. Justin Allgaier has a flat tire with about 10 to go. You're two laps minimum you're going to go down. Should finish outside the top 15. Finishes eighth, two laps down. Yeah, that's, eighth. that's the crazy part. Is that not only did six cars only finish on the lap, but only seven cars finished on the lead two laps. I mean, And only, what, 11 finished on the... Yeah, it wasn't very many. Brandon I mean, Brown finished 12th. Well, three Christopher Bell was 14th, I think four laps down. Christopher Bell was three laps down, finished 14th. But 12th to 16th were three laps down. You go to 17th, four laps down. If you tell me I was four laps down, I'd finish 17th in a 38-car field, I'd be happy with it. Yeah. I just like how you know it's cra- this race was so crazy that the fact that Tyler Reddick came from 38th to 1st is kind of an afterthought. Yeah, I mean, because Kyle Busch had the field covered. It, there, there wasn't any. Allgaier was the only. It would have been Kyle Busch, Justin Allgaier, than everybody else. 
and then you throw in the, the troubles with Reddick or not Reddick Bell and Custer, and then Timmy Hill somehow getting in the top ten. Greg Galding having a great run. Jeremy Clemens cracking the top five. Ryan Sieg looked like he had a car at one point that was going to be a top five car. Brandon Jones uh, end of stage one, early part of stage two had a fast car. Just a crazy, crazy race, man. And when you look at now the Xfinity Series points as they're getting close to the playoffs, the playoff field's pretty much set. Yeah. Unless you get a, a Jeremy Clements that ends up winning this week at Road America or a Brandon Brown or someone out there that ends up winning, the top 12 in points is set. There, there's almost 100 points different. I think it's 97. Yep, 97. Between three. Ryan Sieg and Greg Alding for that 12th position. Greg Alding's not getting... 97 points on Ryan Sieg. No. So if no one, if there's no surprise winners, your playoff field set is pretty much set. It's just who's going to have what playoff points. So right now, leading points is Tyler Reddick. Christopher Bell is second. Cole Custer third. They all have wins. Justin Allgaier is fourth. Austin Sendrick, he's now got two wins at two road courses. Noah Gragson seventh. Michael Annette is eighth with the win. Justin Haley ninth. John Hunter Nemechek is 10th. Brandon Jones is really not had a good season at all, and he sits 11th. But there is speed in that car. He just had, he's had bad luck this year, really. And then Ryan Sieg is 12th. And before we move on to the Cup Series and the IndyCar Series from, from their weekend of racing, we'll go ahead and look at the two races for the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series this weekend. The Cup Series will be off, but the truck, the Xfinity Series will head to Road America. They will race on Saturday. The Truck Series will be at Most Sport on Canadian Sunday. Tire or Bowmanville. There, Call it any one of the three. There's there's a lot of names for it. I go with Most Sport because that's, that's the historic name. Canadian Tire is the sponsored name, but I, I guess they bought, the, one. They, yeah. they bought the, rots, the rights for the naming of the racetrack but i like most sport yeah either one's fine so we're gonna make our picks we're gonna make our picks and with the trucks it's really just kind of take the 32 truck field and throw it in a take like you could probably take 10 trucks out and then just pick a name out of a hat and that seems to be what canadian tire provides yeah because and plus we don't have an entry list yet at the recording of this podcast so i had first pick i'm gonna go with a guy that just He's not a full-time guy. Um, for whatever reason, cannot win a road course race. He's been really, really strong no matter what ride he's in. Just can't get it done. He's going to be in what I think is the fastest truck in all the land this week. Take Alex Tagliani driving the 51 truck for Kyle Busch Motorsports to, to win in his home country. I think it's a solid pick for, for top five. But I'm going Ben Rhodes. He's, he's not won a race this, this season. He's, he's had multiple races where it looked like early he had the speed, but he's run well here before, so I, I like Ben Rhodes to get the win. The question is, do either of our drivers dump whoever's leading in the final corner? Because we've seen – so you, this will be the seventh year of the truck series at most sport. 2013, Chase Elliott dumps off Ty Dillon. Dumps Ty Dillon. Awesome. 2014 – no dump. It was a photo finish between Ryan Blaney and Yerman Caroga. 2015, Eric Jones wins in what was the most boring of the races in most sport. Still wasn't a terrible race. 2016, maybe one of my all-time favorite finishes where Cole Custer and John Hunter Nemechek just said, I don't even care about the finish line. What's just bang doors? We're going to finish in the grass. Yeah, that was the coolest 
finish I, I, ever the the afterwards with, with cole custer's flying whatever that, that was. was pretty that was pretty great too that, that's still one of my favorite i'm mad i'm gonna go after a driver because at least well. he didn't do like what spencer gallagher and john west townley did where they were like trying to i mean he just came on with a head of steam that was the coolest finish i've ever and, seen and so the camera w- was on john hunter and you could tell Cole was coming. You didn't. You couldn't see him, but the and way he probably had a right to be mad. Yeah, the way John Hunter was just ready for it. But then 2017, Austin Cindric just didn't even try to to hit the brakes for Kaz Grala. But Cindric needed that win to get in the playoffs. Wins it, gets in the playoffs. And then last year, um, Noah Gregson took out his teammate Todd Gilliland. Justin Haley ends up winning. So something crazy is probably going to happen. If you've got basically. All but one race, you've had craziness in the final corner. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet that that if we get a pick right, that person probably dumped the other guy. Most likely to, to win the race, or was in third and the yeah. two leaders took each other out. One of those two. So then you look at the Xfinity race at, at Road America. That I, I like the the interesting thing about this weekend is saturday is the xfinity race sunday is the truck race so sunday you get some some truck racing which normally it's friday night or a weird time on saturday but you get good time on sunday for the truck race the xfinity race on saturday at road america trevor who do you have winning this one so i don't like any of the xfinity series regulars to win it this week road america is a really technical track uh, it's so freaking long Try to drive it on iRacing. It's hard. Yeah, I've done just on like NASCAR heat. No, no, thank you. Um, it, no, it's it's one of my favorite road courses though because it's so technical. But it's so freaking. Was it forty five laps? I think is. It's a four they, mile. They've played with how long they want the race to be because it a lap is so well. Long and there. the problem is, is then you get a caution. Caution lap takes five minutes for one, ca- and you run seventeen caution laps. I don't like any of the Xfinity Series regulars in this. I think there's five guys that have a chance to win. Scratch that. There's one regular I would kind of like, but I'm not. I, Austin Cindric, if there's an Xfinity Series regular that wins, it'll be Cindric. Regan Smith, who's in the eight car this week, good road course racer. Justin Allgaier, if I was going to pick another one, he's been good there, won there in the past. AJ Allmendinger, who's running for college racing. If this he doesn't, week. Get, if he doesn't get disqualified. Um <laughs> Which three of two of his three? Yeah, so the odds been. are the odds are likely that he will. Um, but I, the guy I'm going with, and I know we're going to talk about him more later, so I won't dive too much into it. I'm going Matt DiBenedetto, really good road course racer in a really fast car. Jack Hawksworth made that car look pretty fast at Mid Ohio early on, um, and Jack Hawksworth doesn't have nearly the experience in cars like that that Matt Any? DiBenedetto does. That, yeah, that was the first time he ever yeah. sat in a so stock car. I'm going Matt DiBenedetto to get the win this weekend. I'm going to go with a driver to sweep the road courses, and that's Austin Cindric. He, he's he's on a roll, got the pull at Bristol, didn't have a great run at Bristol, but had a good one, continued that momentum. I, I like this. I've always liked the Xfinity schedule where you kind of have all the road courses pretty much backed up against each other. You've got Watkins Glen, you go straight to mid-Ohio, you get one little breather at Bristol, you go back to Road America. Well, so and there's another road course still on their schedule. There is, and that, that might be my new favorite. We're talking about the Roval. Yes. I'm, I'm so excited for the Roval, and it's like six weeks away. But So I've got Maddie D. I've got Austin Cindric. It's going to be a, a fun weekend. We've also got some IndyCar racing. We'll make those picks a little bit later. But now we'll move to the Cup Series, talk about their race at Bristol. And, and we talked about kind of the Xfinity race was weird. The truck race was a wreck fest. This race was just fun. 
was yeah. fun and it was exciting well, and, and there were so many comers and goers and and like i said in the beginning there was you know a different there were different points in the race where like eight or nine guys had the car to beat you know early on kyle larson was the guy to beat then denny hamlin showed that he had a really fast car chase elliott was up there as well Brad Keselowski led a lot of laps. Somehow Kyle Busch was up front for a while. Yeah, Kyle yeah. Busch went from starting where he started, 31st, 32nd, got Lapped up down front. early. Yeah. Well, two laps down at one point, I think. I think he might have been two at I one point. I think Kyle was able to stay one lap down, and there were others. That I don't remember. But he led some laps. I mean, there were in total, there were 23 lead changes, which for Bristol is pretty – Kevin Harvick led a lot of laps until he had issues, he had issues ended up finishing last. Um. Like I said, at any point, it looked like there might be one guy that would just be able to drive away and win the race, and you wouldn't be that surprised. It was, it was inter- I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I was following it, and then I caught the tail end. It was amazing. Wait, sitting there, it, you honestly won. I know they've got that PJ1 compound on the bottom, but I think they figured out how to make that. The racing was great. And, and to me, if you sit down and watch that race, that is that race is my argument for why NASCAR needs more short tracks. Just oh, watch yeah. that race because at no point was the leader more than two seconds in front of second. At no point you don't see that at any other racetrack except maybe Martinsville. But even at Martinsville, you the, the guys the get away a little bit more. Kinda. But you just you you could sit a camera, an aerial camera on top of the stands and just leave it there all race long because someone is racing someone at all points. The traffic makes it interesting because guys, guys are so close to each other. It, it was about the, – the, it's the best I've seen it in a long time, it being multi-grooved. You could go anywhere on that racetrack and be fast. You could make different lines work and, and be fast. But overall, just the, the way everyone was – so many comers and goers. You, you look at the final running order – you had guys like Kyle Busch who was laps down and then somehow ends up leading the race, and his car was terrible. You could tell it was terrible, but Kyle Busch is too good to not finish fourth in a terrible car. You had Kyle Larson who who had issues late in the race and comes back up to finish sixth after leading also, early. Also, only seven cars finish on the lap. We'll get to why that happened in a little bit. There were, there were more that could have. Yeah. About four or five more, but different things happen but you look at martin Truex jr he was up front led this race he had some issues late finishes 13th look at it was eric jones to me had the fastest car eric jones had the car to beat ends up putting it in the wall late in the race he ends up way back in 22nd you look at other guys ricky stenhouse jr before he he, he's the cup version of Natalie <laughs> Decker before he ended up wrecking. At, at least it wasn't his fault this time. He just got caught up when a, a car lost a tire, but Ricky w- was up inside the top five at points. So, so many guys were up front, went to the back, came back to the front. You, you look at drivers. I think I skipped over Clint Boyer. Clint Boyer was facing the wrong direction late in the race, comes back up to finish seventh. But the storyline of this race is with your two up front. For sure. Your winner, Denny Hamlin, second of Matt DiBenedetto. All the other storylines don't matter after the way this race finished out. Precursor to all of this, kind of the, the background is you, you get midweek, you learn Matt DiBenedetto is going to be out of the 95 next year after a, a stretch in that car that that car has never seen. He's put t- together great runs here in the last five weeks. To me, proved worthy of, of staying in that ride next year, getting a better ride, but he's out at 
well, well, for me, and this is where we can get into this argument, he's out at TRD because TRD runs well, that's, those five cars. They, that, I, it's I, I not up to this. Gibbs. It's not up to the Levine family racing. It's up to TRD. I, I think if it was up to Bob Levine, Matt Benedetto would still be Absolutely. in that car. And if it was honestly, if it was up to Joe Gibbs, Matt Benedetto might still be in that car. The problem that – and Toyota has the problem that Chevy would love to have, Ford would love to have, Dodge would have loved to have when they were in NASCAR. They've got five winnable cars, and they've got six drivers that are counting Chris Rebell. You've got a lot more than that in the pipeline. Right, but you've and got six right now. I mean, right now that are ready to win cup races. And then well, you mentioned you got Haley Deegan, who's a couple years away. Chandler, Chandler Smith's Smith. a couple years away. Ty Gibbs could be five years away, maybe. I, I think Harrison Burton Harrison, give him a couple years. I don't. I, think, I don't know about Todd Gillen, but I think Harrison. Uh, Burton, yeah, I'm, I'm Harrison Burton's run way better in the Xfinity series in his few races this yeah. year. Then so you've got Harrison Burton, but you end up with all of the, these drivers. You don't have enough cars. Nothing's been announced. We all know. In, it's going to be Christopher. It's going to be Christopher Bell. If it's not Eric Jones, there, there, there's something. Yeah. Whether they're moving Eric Jones to the 95, there, there's what rumors I, that I, I saw that there's rumors that there's a deal, one year deal on the table for Eric Jones, giving him one more year while I move Christopher Bell to the 95. I think that's what's going to happen. If I'm Joe Gibbs, and I know he probably doesn't have any control over this, because like I said, I think it's TRD that has shown that they run this department. It's not a Gibbs decision, but. Because if it was, I, I think Eric Jones would be out of the twenty, and they put Matt DiMenedetto in. See, there. I, that's what I if I owned I'm, that team, I'm conflicted because you look at the way Eric Jones has ran this year, though too. He's ran really, really well. But look at the rest of the team. You've got four wins right. for Denny Hamlin, four for Kyle Busch, four for Martin Truex. What does Eric Jones have? He's got. Right, he's got it. No, I, I get what you're and, saying. And you're, the, he's but not Eric a, Jones is also 21 years old. You're 20. He's, he's not years a, old. Like I said, he's not a veteran. I don't think he needs to have four wins, but he's had. Fast enough cars, there should be something in that column, not a zero. Yeah. He, he's taken the cars that he's had and it's been fast with. And maybe, and we've seen guys like him, Joey Logano, you see other, that, that's really the, the biggest one that comes to mind is they struggle when they first get to the series and then they go somewhere else and they get better. Yeah. Look at, I mean, look at Daniel Suarez. But Eric Jones he's, has eight top fives already this season. I mean, so. so and that's where it's hard. To move Eric Jones out of the 20 because That's, the potential is, is there. But the, the honestly, issue, and I know this is definitely not the way they're going um, because they've made it clear. If it was me, I'd have left Chris Bell in the Xfinity Series for one more year or said, hey, if, if I'm Joe Gibbs, they, we've seen them lose guys like this before, and maybe that's why they don't want to because we saw them lose William Byron. That That's what's going um, on. I think they're going to end up I, – I personally think they're going to end up losing Haley Deegan. Um for you're you're not going to be able to keep all of them because there's no. not enough cars because unless you I, I think there there's a couple teams and you look at the 81 team in the Xfinity series with the IK9 sponsorship I think that car will move up to the Cup series because Toyota needs more Cup cars. Yeah. You need more viable Cup rides because you're going to lose out you're you're losing out on Matt DiBenedetto who's going to be the biggest sweepstakes if a team and Denny Hamlin said this multiple times. He, he called car owners idiots if they don't pick – if someone doesn't pick them up. And saying that, I mean, you're basically calling your own team owner that. But that that's not us saying that word. That's Denny Hamlin saying this guy will, needs to go somewhere. I will say this, and you might disagree with me. If, if I was a cup owner right now, I'd, I'd go Matt DiVendetto over Ross Chastain. 
Absolutely. Because I w- Matt doesn't rough people the wrong way. He's, he's a great guy with the media. He was basically the last guy there signing autographs with, with fans before and the night was we've over. And we've seen Matt compete in the cup level with cars that maybe shouldn't. You know, we've seen Ross do that in the lower level series, but we've seen a lot of other guys do it in the lower level series too. Um, again, nothing against Ross Chastain. I love Ross Chastain. I love Matt DiBendetto a heck of a lot more, which, like I said, if, if I was Joe Gibbs or, you know, in charge of TRD, I almost think in this didn't used to be a problem. You know, if a guy was tearing up in the Xfinity series and all of a sudden, you know, he was ready for cup and he got another ride elsewhere, guess what? They went elsewhere and they didn't try to keep him. Christopher Bell probably would have been gone if it was me. I mean, you got Matt Benedetto who's showing he's capable of winning races. You've got four guys in your stable right now, two of which are former champions. One guy who I think is now the championship favorite, and then a kid who I think will by the end of his career will be a champion. It, it's 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 a big problem. It's a for, great problem to it's, have. It's a great problem to have until you start losing championships to the driver that were in your pipe. The drivers that were in your pipeline. You've yeah. got to get more cars. Whether that's you, you bring another team in. Find find a way to get a second car at Levine Family Racing. You know, we saw them do that with Furniture Row a couple years ago with Eric Jones. There wasn't a ride there. They threw the money to Barney Visser. They basically funded his team for that championship year. Then when Matt Kenseth was gone, Eric Jones jumped in. And the issue for Toyota right now and, and Joe Gibbs Racing is Kyle Busch isn't going anywhere for another 10, 15 Probably years. Probably not. Denny Hamlin's got another five, five or six. I'm kind of I at, at least re- three. I got to see how the rest of this year goes. To to me, he's he's probably got five left. And if you're FedEx and them and Joe Gibbs right now, you don't let him go anywhere. Martin Truex is the one guy that you never know about because he could just pull a Carl Edwards and, and one day decide that. I mean, he is in the same car, so. Well, and and just his personality could just decide someday that he just wants to. Well, and he he's he's the oldest of all of them. Yeah, so. he's almost forty, I think. Like then he's thirty-eight, something like that. But so I mean, those guys probably got at least close, a couple more years. But left. they've got enough years le- left. Like you said, that Haley Deegan will be ready. Maybe Chandler I, Smith will be ready. They've probably got three or four years for Chandler Smith's in a cup car. Probably, but I think... You, I, mean, I think he'll be ready when he gets in it. Christopher but Bell will be the first person to either replace Denny or Martin. Oh, yeah, for sure. If, if they are able to keep him, he'll be the first one. And then if Matt DiBenedetto's still out there, you go back and get him. Uh, he won't be. But he won't be. Because after what happened on Saturday, I hope his phone well, has been ringing and all so, day And long. we've mentioned, too... Um, kind of off the air, you know, you look at around the rest of NASCAR, you, you know, you look at a guy like Jimmy Johnson, who's, I, I think he's done after 2020. There's no he, clear replacement for Jimmy Johnson. If I'm Hendrick, I, we, we talked about this. I think you try to say, hey, go spend a year in the Xfinity series in a top ride. Put him in the A car. And then guess what? You'll be in the 48. Yeah. And if we, you're Hendrick. One, Matt DiBenedetto, after what happened Saturday, and I think at this point he finished his second. He's leading basically the last 100 laps of the race. Denny Hamlin honestly was just better. Passed him late. But, I mean, the the things that came after the race, not just Matt's performance, which we saw him lead practice. If he would have had a later draw in qualifying, might have put that car on the pole. 
struggled a little bit early in the race. They never gave up, kept working on it. But even when he struggled, he had a top 10 car. Had a, and then goes out and makes a really bold move on a restart to get to second, ends up out front, and then is just drives away from everybody. And Denny Hamlin came from a long ways back to run him down. Hamlin had the faster car, got to him and passed him. But not only you have what happened on the track, but Denny Hamlin in, in two separate post-race interviews, one on the track afterwards and then another on. I, I, this was, I don't normally watch the post-post-race show, as in I, I watch all the post-race with the broadcast and then I move on. I don't a lot of times watch the, I don't know what NBC calls it, but their, their victory lane show yeah. with Chris Devota and I Dale Jarrett. But I, I, watched that, I watched that whole thing. And, and again, that that's and, and Denny Hamlin, you know, doubled down on what he said, basically saying he was he was apologizing for passing Matt DiBenedetto. And to me, that speaks volumes yeah, of, you of know, he the said situation. I, he said, "I was hoping somebody else would run him down before I got to yeah, him." It, and then the the crowd, when he was interviewed by the track for the the big screen. You could hear it during Denny's post-race interview when they were interviewing Matt for the track. The the stands went crazy. The the story you've got, this guy's now, because now the the big thing for Matt, I think, is now you've got a guy that's going to pull in a ton of sponsors. If you're a sponsor. Well, and, and he's, he's incredibly marketable. If it's, you're a sponsor and you're either thinking about getting out of the sport or you want to come into the sport, Matt DiBenedetto is the guy you want to sponsor. Yeah. I mean, he's shown he, he if can. If you can't get into a, a established ride already, I would go with him. So I think he'll land somewhere. And his run makes Silly Season really interesting now because it was pretty well, cut and dry before this, but now well, he's out of a it's, ride. It's not like it's just all of a sudden he had one good run at Bristol and everyone's saying, oh, it, now. I mean, you look at the last 10 weeks of the season, he's had good runs. Go back to Sonoma where he drove up through the field. You know, past guys like Jimmy Johnson, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Larson, who had probably faster cars than him, finishes fourth. Somehow survives the carnage at Daytona, finishes eighth. Quietly finishes fifth at New Hampshire. Finishes sixth at Michigan. Then goes out and just about wins the race Saturday well, night. I was sitting there watching this race, and then with the runs he's had lately, going, if he wins this race and can make the playoffs... I don't think he's a championship but four contender, but I think he could make I think he could maybe get eight. a round of eight. Yeah. So I think what happened is I was going to come in here today and just go off on the fact that he wasn't going to be in a ride. Decided against that. Be a little bit more civil. Did I talk some sense into you? Talked a little bit, but I think the biggest thing that, that this run did is that thought that, hey, this guy's really good. I was in the it, back of everyone's I mind. I think it's put it. It's now. I mean, get and it, it should be. And I think going back to my theory of, you know, if he ends up, say, you know, at a situation like Hendrick, I know Matt DiBenedetto is saying, I want to win at the cup level, you know, and he's kind of said some things in his interviews. But I mean, if you're Matt DiBenedetto, still a, rather, a young guy, 28 years old, you know, so most guys race into their 40s. And, and, well, in with racing, the, the prime is more. 30s than other sports late where 20s early 30s yeah that's where the prime the is 28 it's to 35 is normally so you, you've got to so if you're mad to benedetto and you have to go spend a year in the xfinity series you know at a at junior motorsports or somewhere like that or even Stuart haas racing i mean cars that are going to give you chances to win races so then you can be set for the next five to ten years in the cup series to me that sounds like a pretty damn good deal Th there's 
so many different things, and this also happened this week. David Reagan's retiring out yes. of out of the front row racing car. I think that ride is Matt's if he can't figure anything else out. He will be in that car replacing David Reagan. That that's his fallback. And they've said that they want they don't want to put someone in that car unless they're basically forced to without experience. So they were basically saying we're waiting for Matt De Benedetto if he can't figure something else out. So the question is, I, I think the question's going to be with the way all the rides are determined and where everything sits is before Matt gets a ride at Stuart Haas, they're gonna go Cole Custer. That or they could put Custer in because I, I don't know if Clint Boyer's back in that 14 car next year. But also, and in, in something I've thought about too is, you know, you could put Custer in that 38 car. I mean, and give him a year or two in a car that, I mean, it's not going to go out and win a lot of races, but I mean, it's Cole Custer. I, I think I think Matt Benedetto, Alex Bowman have proved that sometimes it might be better because the cars are so different. And you hear Cup drivers say there really is no there's no help to go running in the xfinity race with the the cup series you might get hey this is what the track's gonna do but there, there's no correlation between the two i think it, it, we've seen that it might be better to go run a 30th place cup car if you don't have a, a ride yet and you know that ride's there if cole custer is going to be at Stuart haas within the next two years it's just as this year is it next year do they let him go run a cup series ride and and, and, well, those and a lot of this too depends on how much time kevin harvick plan how long how longer kevin harvick plans on racing how much patience they have with daniel suarez i mean really you look at the Stuart haas stable i don't think it's crazy to say that none of those guys could be there in three years well there's rumors clump boyer won't be back yeah you know and you look at daniel suarez and, and the tough thing is nascar is so private about what these contracts are that you really are guessing Clint Boyer's contract is is up at that's all you know no yeah that's all we know is it's up at the end of this year and you know like Martin Truex's was a multi-year deal well what does that mean that could mean two years that could mean five it it gets difficult but I think Tyler Reddick also plays into all this silly season talk because Richard Childress has said if we can't figure out how to get him in the 31 car full-time he's gone and I don't know if you say that unless Tyler Reddick has come to you and said, hey, I've got something on the table. Well, and then you also you throw in guys, you know, we mentioned Ross Chastain. Um, and then there's, there, other, there's not enough room for Ross. I think he needs yeah. to go look for an Xfinity ride. You know, then, you know, you never know what the future of Richard Petty Motorsports is. You know, you look at a guy like Bubba Wallace who, I mean, that's not great equipment to begin with. He's he's their guy for the next couple of years. Yeah, assuming they're still around. If they're still but, around. I mean, we don't know. That's the, the thing is we there's just a lot that we don't know. The unfortunate thing about racing is it is money driven. It is it is a business. Yeah. So if if it wasn't a business and it was hey take the best guy available Matt De Benedetto Ross Chastain would both be in Cup rides next year. The Dillon brothers Paul Menard they'd be would not they'd be, be there. gone. I mean, but unfortunately, then that's the way the sport has evolved and, in the last. I think we've seen that there there's a way. It's not as this is business. There is still a way where talent will prevail. Kyle Larson's shown that. But you still got to have that backing. Kyle Larson had TRD backing because of, of his midget racing and then was able to he, – he got away from that much earlier. He didn't stick with them because, hey, this kid's really, really good. Let's figure out how to get him here. Tyler Reddick was the same way. 
the, these these drivers don't bring sponsors with them, and a lot of them are the dirt drivers that don't bring sponsors with them. Christopher Bell, he's got a bunch of stuff now because he's he's a he, he's got a little bit of that Toyota kind of get upset at bad finishes, but he he's a marketable driver, so he he's got some money coming with him. But it, it's a it's a money sport. It costs fifteen million plus dollars to run a cup team for a season you've got to have sponsors or you've got to have the ability to bring them in and i think that's the the big going back to matt de benedetto that's the key for him is he's now going to have the ability that he's a much more marketable than he was before because the story is about him if he lands a ride at any of the top teams i think he's the second most popular driver in the series next year i yeah behind chase elliott yeah no one's defending chase yeah no i i totally agree i'm really curious um i think silly season is almost more fun than the actual season sometimes and we don't like this is a lot slower developing silly season than we've seen in years past i think it could go into december we've gone into years past and known in february hey this guy's retired i mean dale jr tony stewart jeff gordon hey these guys are retired i mean it was evident chase elliott was going to be the successor we're, we're kind of still waiting on what Kurt Busch is going to do. Yeah, we like don't we think know. he's going to be there for another year, but he only signed a one-year deal Yeah, at, at Ganassi. And as far as we know, only, nothing new has been signed. Nationwide's leaving Hendrick Motorsports. That's been the main backer for Alex Bowman. I mean, there's a lot of things. You know, you mentioned Clint Boyer, Daniel Suarez. We don't. Daniel Hemrick's not sure that he's even going to be back in 2020. There's just a lot of there, things. There's a lot of drivers that have said, I think I've got something for next year. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Eric Jones is the same way. He's like, I think there's an yeah. offer on the table for another year. And I think right now the interesting thing is you're hearing a lot of the word one-year deal. There's not a lot of security in these deals because I think teams are starting to realize, hey, I know the money's there, but if this driver's not good enough, it doesn't matter that the money's there. They're not gonna, They're not going to finish well enough to make it valuable for the sponsor because you've got to be up front to value for that value to be with the sponsor yes you get seen everywhere but you lose that tv time and you got to have value to the sponsor that that's one of the key deals is if you aren't paul menard who just has it no matter what you got to bring value and if you're not finishing up front you're going to lose that value so it's going to be interesting yeah i think next year might be more interesting because i think jimmy johnson's done and that that comes to my last point that i wanted to get to with the cup series is is jimmy's not going to make the playoffs there was another point you wanted to get to that i think you've just completely forgot there was about so much that i know we were there gonna was so much we've been disagreeing on and i'm i, I will i will get back to that i know where we're going so the well, i mean let's obviously answer the first one is jimmy johnson's not going to make the playoffs and gets in a wreck early wasn't his fault austin dillon blew a tire ends up in the fence and, and jimmy salvages a 19th place finish but he's not going to make the playoffs i said that back in may that he wasn't going to make the playoffs and and he's got two races to get it done and and you've got ryan newman who will just always finish 11th or 12th you've got daniel suarez who's a lot faster right now he's been running and you've got clint boyer who if he would figure out how to drive a race car again has the speed yeah jimmy johnson doesn't i'm saying right now it doesn't look very good at all um i don't but also you gotta remember the guy's seven-time champion so it's hard to completely count him out 
until it's over. But I, I would say right now, if I had to bet money, it's looking like he isn't going to, which would be the first time in his career he did not. Um, and no one has made the chase more consecutive years than he has. So, I mean, really, it's an incredible feat, even if it comes to an end. Uh, we, we've seen drivers kind of hit walls. and Richard Petty went – I wasn't going to say what I was going to say, but Richard Petty went eight years without winning. He, he, drivers hit walls and their performance falls off, and that's that's where – that's yeah. where Jimmy's at. It, it, it's he's fallen off a cliff. It it we've seen that before, and I don't remember who said this, but it was that these cars don't drive the way that no. Jimmy drives either, and he's having a tough time. Well, I think that out. was part of the problem with Kevin Harvick earlier in the season too. Um, you know, Harvick's more of a finesse driver, and you know we've seen with the way this package is, you kind of got to drive like a jerk. And, you know, it fits a guy like Joey Logano, fits his style great. You know, Kyle Larson fits his style great. He just can't keep it off the wall. Um, but it didn't, you know, we saw Harvick struggle. We've seen Jimmy struggle. I'm still holding out hope, although it's slim hope, that he's going to be able to find a way to get it done, but it doesn't look very promising. I, I think Jimmy does what, what Dale did, and that's he's going to announce he's going to retire at the end of 2020, and he'll go on a farewell tour. I think you're probably right. I think that's what he should do. I mean, he's only under contract through 2020, so. Yeah, I kind of think that was the plan the whole time, yeah. is he wanted a couple more years. I think you're probably right. Well, I think he might get one more win, maybe. I, I see him getting one win to close out his career, yeah. and, and, and instead of kind no, of save I don't, his legacy. No, I don't know when, which is stupid that we're even talking about right. saving his legacy, because the guy's one of the top three greatest wish, drivers of all time. I just wish... You, these, these, some of these drivers would kind of retire before they get to this point because in the last three years, you remember the struggles and, and Jeff Gordon's really the only one that didn't do that, did he? I mean, because his down year was his year he retired and he still made the championship for right, and and that made it such a great story, yeah. which which maybe Jimmy can figure out a way to yeah, do that it next doesn't year. Look but promising though, we saved the the final talking point from this week for last, and this is the one through all of our conversations that Trevor and I. We've been going for an hour and 18 minutes, and this might just end the show at two hours yeah. because we don't agree. And we haven't got to the IndyCar talk yet. And we don't agree all that much on that either, but we'll get to that. Matt Benedetto had that Bristol race won. Most likely. I don't think Denny Hamlin would have got to him in time to make a move. He would have got there. I don't think he would have gotten there in time because at Bristol it still takes three or four laps to make the pass. But Ryan Newman, and, and there is precedent for this. It wasn't like he's not done this before, but there was contact with, what was it, 18 to go, 12 to go, somewhere around there, as Matt DiBenedetto is trying to lap Ryan Newman. They make contact, and DiBenedetto has, has left front damage and at a track as fast as Bristol, he said it caused his car to get tight. He Matt DiBenedetto didn't say a wrong word. He just stated facts. His car got tight. But, one, if you look at Twitter, everyone hates Ryan Newman. I don't think there were a lot of people that loved Ryan Newman prior to Twitter, though. But, as we said, Ryan Newman's kind of the the king of running 18th all race, and then you look at the final results, and he's somewhere between 8th and 12th. That's why he's fighting for a playoff spot right now. But... He's always raced the leader 
extremely hard trying to stay in the lead lap. He's always raced the leader extremely hard trying to stay one lap down. He's always raced extremely hard for 12th place. It's Ryan Newman. He always races. I mean, that's but really... the two made contact, and this is where I think you and I differ, is when you were getting, when you were racing the leader, unless it's rear bumper to front bumper because something happened or you were clear, you don't touch the leader. There's a, a courtesy, especially if it was lap 210 of 500, I think you have a different argument, but we're coming down to the end of this. Get out of the way. There is a, a courtesy in racing, and you saw Kurt Busch, Daniel Suarez, Ryan Blaney. All three of these guys did it. They got out of Denny Hamlin's way. Right, but when have we seen Ryan Newman care about the courtesies and stuff? He doesn't. I mean, Ryan, if, if it would have been Denny Hamlin leading the race and Matt had been out running second, guess what? Ryan Newman would have done the same thing. It could have been Ricky Stenhouse. And, and Sten- no one would be bad at it Ryan probably Newman. Would've been, it could, probably could have been Ricky Stenhouse leading the race. And he probably still would have raced. This. Those guys would have jumped each other. My issue is, is if you're, you are never, it's courtesy to get out of the leader's way late in the race. It's not required. It's not something you have to do. My issue is contact was made, and it didn't have to be made. Yeah. Ryan Newman I'm not saying it came across be the nose of Matt DiBenedetto. DiBenedetto got to his outside. Yes, Eric Almarola was slow on the bottom up ahead. But that's where, with 12 laps to go, or however many there were, you say, Matt DiBenedetto's to my outside. He can go. I'm not going to come up on his nose, cross up to the top side, and get into him. I thought, with that contact, I thought Matt DiBenedetto was done because he was going to have a left front flat, which would have been even worse for Ryan Newman because Matt DiBenedetto might not have been near as happy, happy and and. Might have been a little bit more disgruntled in his post-race interview. But to me, Ryan Newman, he races hard, but you don't make contact with the leader. You don't have to do what Daniel Suarez and Kurt Busch did, which is eight car lengths before Denny Hamlin ever got to them. They hung a left and parked it. I mean, if you watch, go back and watch what Kurt Busch did. He hangs a left and parks his car and lets both Hamlin and Benedetto go. Ryan Newman doesn't have to do that, but when Matt goes to your outside, you don't hit him. That being said, if you're Matt, they, that was maybe the one bad decision he made in lap traffic. It's Ryan Newman up ahead. Maybe look to go to the inside. Yeah, uh, that's and that's kind of where I lean with it too. Again, I agree. Shouldn't hit the leader. I don't think it was deliberate or anything. I mean, but also you got to look at it. You know, and again, I'm watching the video right now. How far lower could Newman have gone? You, you. I mean, he, Eric he, Almar- he, Eric Almarola is right there to his inside. He, unless Newman does, does what Kurt Busch decided to do, and he hits the brakes because the leaders to his outside, you've got to move up, or you're going to run to the back of Eric. But well, but when he tried to move up, he ran into. That's why you get Benedetto. on. You get on the brakes. I and mean, you don't cross the nose but of the he, leader. But if he gets on if the brakes was, and checks up and. There's people behind him like Matt DiBenedetto. I mean, he could have checked up and DiBenedetto could have well, hit him see, in the, the rear. The issue that I'm getting at is Matt was not still behind Ryan. He had gotten to the outside. At that no, point, and I see what at you're that saying. point, that's where you stop racing the leader. Yeah, no, and I see what you're saying. But you also, I look at it as, and I don't, 
I wanted to see Matty D win as much as anybody. But it's Ryan Newman, so we shouldn't be surprised at all. We needed it to chase Elliott at Dover. Yeah, he's going to do it to – and that's his right. No one's saying he can't do it. Should he have done it? It's not the courteous thing to do, but also Ryan Newman has shown he gives no dams about courtesy. Plus, I think it's really important you got to remember – if Matt Benedetto wins that race, Ryan Newman's already sitting on the playoff bubble. Matt Benedetto wins that race, Ryan Newman's playoff bubble gets a lot tighter. I mean, so he had the. I mean, if you're Ryan Newman, why should you let him go? He wins the race. It's you, you don't let him go until he's to the outside. Yeah, you don't. This would be completely different if Ryan Newman was clear to the top, goes to the top of the racetrack, and then Benedetto runs into the back of him, and then he gets front-end damage from that. That's on Matt. But he was to the outside of the six car. When you get there, if you're going a lap down, you don't cross the nose of the leader that late in the race. Again, we sh- I only wish we be surprised. Again, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I only wish we be surprised that Ryan Newman raced somebody hard. Again, if he doesn't hit the leader, probably doesn't matter. But he's racing to get in the playoffs as well. Um, and I get that point, but it, he, if that we've seen Ryan Newman put people in the wall to make rounds, the next yeah. round of a championship before. So it's now not, and like I said, it's not unprecedented. It's still not. I, I don't. I have no problem racing the leader hard. You just don't make contact with them, and that's where I have an issue with what yeah. happened. Yeah, and, and I, I get that. Um, also, I think something you got to think about, too, with that whole thing. You know, he's fighting to stay on the lead lap. Let's hypothetically say there's a caution or something. There's not that many cars already still on the lead lap at that point, 12, 13. We're not inside their pit box. You know, maybe they were saying, hey, if we get a late race caution, if we're on the lead lap, we're going to stay out and try to see if we can gain more points. So, I mean, he had reason to race to Benedetto hard. Just shouldn't have made contact. I think we need to move on or we're just going to... I think we do too. Keep yelling at each other. We're not yelling. It's actually pretty civil. <laughs> it's more civil than I thought I was going to be. I would call this like a Jimmy Johnson, Ryan Blaney. Yeah. Agree to disagree, except we haven't had it over a couple beers. I think that's a good way of putting it. And we're going to stick with controversy and head on over to the IndyCar race at Pocono. I don't think we're going to disagree on this one as much as you think. I think we're going to disagree about what should be done. Maybe. the incident, but IndyCar at Pocono, we, we know Pocono has had issues in the IndyCar series. It's where Justin Wilson, unfortunately, passed away several years ago when, when Sage Karam ended up in the wall, and then there was some debris, and that's why the aero screen's coming next year that they've been working on for so long, and you look at the incident we'll get to in a second. They've got the deflector up front now, which probably at least saved a concussion for, for Hinchcliffe. They did a good job showing that, hey, this this worked. But that's why the aero screen's coming. We've seen Robert Wickens and in his terrible crash last year with a, a move on the opening lap of the race. He, he, he dove down, turn two. Him and Ryan Hunter Ray make contact. A bunch of cars get taken out. Get to this year opening to this race it's it's all about this is the most dangerous track andy car goes to and drivers 
need to, to race smart. And I think it was Ryan Hunter Ray said after the, the wreck on lap one, when they started talking to all the drivers, said it's so hard to pass here. Drivers have to get so much on the start. But they're, I, I don't normally get feelings before races, but I was worried about lap one. Like I almost wanted to turn the TV off. Yeah. Because. Yeah, I guess you had reason to be worried. And then the green flag comes out, and it it's it's a mess. They're five, six wide going into turn one. They make it through turn one, and then they're going down the back straightaway. Alexander Rossi did not get a good start. He's fading. He's running close with Scott Dixon. Dixon clears him, but those two running side by side, Ryan Hunter-Ray, Takuma Sato, get a huge run. Hunter-Ray goes to the bottom. Sato goes to the top. And we'll get to our argument here in a minute but Sato comes down on Rossi those three wreck to the inside wall and they all enter turn two and then they slide back up into traffic Hinchcliffe gets involved and then Felix Rosen Felix Rosen just thankfully barely gets into the catch fence could have been a lot worse they looked pretty similar to second year in a row a car ends up in the catch fence he got clipped by he was trying to clear the incident and got clipped in the rear by sato when that happened sato ends up flipping so you've got rosenquist in the catch fence sato upside down ryan hunter ray's cars destroyed hinchcliffe's cars destroyed and rossi's cars destroyed thankfully more weren't involved but second year in a row there's a lap one incident and replay after replay after replay and it was paul tracy that said this and i wasn't thinking this before he said it but when he did i kind of agree with him you you go to a track like pocono it's it's dangerous speeds are high drivers know what they're getting into i'd love to see pocono stay on the schedule but if drivers can't start using their heads more it, it needs to come off the schedule because to me the move and paul tracy said based on what he saw takuma sato should not be in this week's race at Gateway. We'll have to see if anything comes of it. It, It's only been 24 hours since the incident. But I think Sato needs a a one-race suspension. You're you're at a track. You've got to race with your head. And and we can argue whether Pocono should or shouldn't be on the schedule. But if if drivers can't race smarter, because I saw a lot. I know I'm the one sitting on the couch. But I saw, and I understand that you've got to get as much as you can on the start. But it is 500 miles and mind you, every week that we show up to a, a dirt track, there, there's some sort of reminder of use your head. It's a 15-lap race. 15 laps is not very long on a 3-8-mile dirt track, and those drivers are getting reminded it's a 15-lap race. This was a 500-mile race, and we're junking five cars on the start because we're not using our heads. And that's what I saw. I saw, not, and it wasn't just with, with Sato. Scott Dixon came an eighth of an inch from clipping Rossi before any of that even before any of that even happened. We we could have had Scott Dixon in the wall on the inside and it wouldn't have mattered. And I I think if drivers aren't going to use their heads, don't go back to Pocono because that was, that was a, and I love watching the Pocono race once we get past lap one, but it's hard to pass. It's a tough track, especially in IndyCar. Gotta be smarter on lap one. I do agree with, you know, you know, maybe it is time to take Pokemon off the schedule. You know, I think back to... Um, well, real quick, and I don't want to talk bad about the incident that happened last year, but Robert Wickens should never have been in that spot. He was he was not in a place to dive in on the inside of turn two at Pocono. And it was more, you know, drivers just need to use the, that track at those speeds. 
And, and to me, it, Rossi was, was proof of what needed to happen. He got a bad start. He could have drove a lot different than he did to try to save spots, but he's like, it's 500 miles. I know it's tough to pass, but if I end up eighth, I'm going to end up eighth. Gets caught up because he's the one falling back, but it's... I always think back to um, Las Vegas in 2011, you know, when they had 34 cars or whatever for the, the what they called the world championship or whatever, and watching that race. And, you know, that was a race where Dan Weldon was eventually um, killed in. Just watching that race and the way those guys were racing early on, guys weren't using their heads. And the accident that happened showed that. I mean, they were, I mean, they were going three, four wide on lap 10. If Takuma Sato would have done the same thing, I'm not justifying it. If that accident happens on lap 100, you know, definitely with the threat of weather and stuff that ended up coming in instead of lap one, might be a little bit different of a conversation. It's still a scary wreck that you'd never want to see. But I think you could say, hey, you know, he's trying to press the issue, you know, time. It's no different than a big one at Daytona, except obviously the cars are a lot different. Um, but you can say, okay, you know, he was being aggressive. He probably shouldn't have done that, but it wouldn't be as big of a deal. As far as the suspension thing, at least in my opinion, I don't know that I agree or disagree with it. I'm indifferent to it. The problem I have with, you know, what Paul Tracy said is, I mean, he's saying it right after it happened. It's very easy to say as soon as it happened, you know, and in the heat of the moment, you know, there needs to be suspension. Something needs to be done. That's something that, you know, obviously needs a lot more thought, needs a lot more. I, I don't know. I don't know what that answer is. I don't know if that's park him a week or find him a ton of money. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. And like, I, I still, it's been 24 hours, still agree that I think, and I'm not someone that thinks suspending a driver for an on-track incident other than wrecking someone on purpose under caution is is ever necessary. But if that's the the, the statement that needs to be made, it's we're IndyCar. We we really want to still be able to go to ovals. But if you guys can't stay safe, yeah. if you guys can't take care of each other on the racetrack, we're going to be forced to go to Gateway, Iowa, and I think Richmond's going to be back on the schedule if they well, can get that like. done. That that's going to be awesome. Obviously, but, obviously and then obviously, obviously, Indy and Indy, I. I love for them to be able to keep Texas and Pocono on the schedule. So there's a couple other racetracks where it's a little bit more dangerous. That's what makes the, the sport so popular. But if drivers aren't going to use their heads, they're not going to take care of each other. Those tracks got to come off the schedule. But if that's the message that says, Hey, we want to keep these tracks on the schedule. This is what makes IndyCar well, different. I mean, Las Vegas hasn't been back since uh, the Weldon accident. It, it never will be. If they can't get control of the drivers and say, Hey, you've got to be smarter. And that's why I think Sato needs a suspension. It's, it's not what he did. It's, okay, you're the one that caused this. Sit down a week because we need to send a message that on lap one, you guys can't act like you're all new to racing on a dirt track on a Friday night. Because if you've ever watched an entry-level class at a dirt track that's on a Friday night, like. that that's about what it looks like. Or the truck race at Eldora. That too. I mean, so I don't think we disagree on it as much as you might think. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't be suspended. I'm just not. I get what you're saying. You, you know, and maybe that's the way you do it. You know, and sit them down and say, hey, you know, use your head. This, we got to use our head, guys. We're going 220, 225 mile an hour, you know, traveling the lengths of football fields in a matter of a second. You know, we, we can't 
be doing things like this on lap one. So if you've made it through an hour and 35 minutes of this and are, are, thank you, thank you one, but you, you, if you don't know what we're talking about and you go watch the incident, it, it's going to be everywhere by now. Cause it, it was a brutal wreck. Uh, I, I thought there's no, when it happened, I'm like, there's no way I'm like, it, it's happened again. There's no way everyone walks away from this. And I think they, they Felix was the only one that was sent. They, they took him to another hospital just i think for precautionary observations i think he was released later in the day he was but you you, you get lucky essentially with, with that wreck and no one getting hurt you look at that wreck and it's like okay they're just going really fast and i kind of want to break down the technical aspect of that incident because you had alexander rossi essentially say that takuma sato's actions were unacceptable you had ryan hunter ray that was just like hey we got to get positions okay and then- but and here's my other problem with this you were at the indy 500 i've watched the indy 500 the last couple of years i'm not saying alexander rossi is wrong but i don't know that he's also the poster child for telling other guys to that they smarter. should use their head and be smarter in the middle of a race and then you have Takuma Sato, who I, I think the biggest and most important thing is he later, after the incident, posted a video on Twitter of his in-car that NBC didn't have set up for the race. And the the interesting thing, and I've watched the incident over and over again. I've watched that in-car over and over again, just trying to understand what the heck happened. Because I thought... When it initially happened, I thought Rossi backed out and the two car in Hunter A and Sato clipped both sides of him and came together. And then watching, you realize it was Sato that came down. And you look at the, the way it happened is these cars are going 230 miles an hour. They're, they're moving around a ton. Dixon was up and was side by side with Rossi. He clears him and he cuts down in front of Rossi and I think that's what what caused the issue with Sato. Is Sato got a huge draft. Yeah, he had an off incredible of run. And when he got Dixon got clear and moved over, Sato wanted to stay in that draft and not lose it because if he loses that draft, he loses his run. He's not going to clear Rossi, so he's trying to clear Rossi. You go to the Takuma Sato video on his Twitter page and he says, "Hey, look at my wheel. It stayed straight." And I'm like, it's an amazing video. I'm watching it right now. It, it, one, let's let's explain the, the technical aspects of these cars. Is they are made to turn left. Your wheel may be straight. That car's still going left. The second thing is I want, if anyone goes and watches the video, look to the right of Takuma's car versus the left. There is a whole lane before you get to the wall. There might even be. There's almost two. Almost two. There is no reason he should have been that close to, to Rossi. The other thing is, is you're making it three wide. And I know Sato said he thought he was clear, but that, that's where you've got to use your head more. Wait for your spotter. Look in your mirror. They weren't to the corner yet. They had plenty of time. As much speed as Sato had, he probably was going to get to the outside of Dixon. And you can make it too wide through that corner on an opening lap if, if you're smart. There was no reason that he needed to, to come down. You're, you're three wide. You should know you're three wide because you were side-by-side side with, with Ryan. 
there was no reason this incident should have happened. And I understand Sato thought he was clear. I understand he, he wants to get those positions. But that's where I, I think that he needs uh, – you need to – it's not – we're not suspending Sato because it was his, his action specifically, but there needs to be some action taken saying, hey, we, we want can't to, do this. We can't do this. Because, yes, you've got to get positions, but at some time your head's got to prevail. You've got to be smarter on the racetrack. You've got big runs. These cars get huge drafts. Go to the outside. Make it three wide. You've got plenty of time to figure it out before you get to the corner. You were trying to figure it out while you are still half clear of Rossi. You, you were still... It wasn't close. That, that's the issue here. It wasn't close. It wasn't like you clipped his front wing. You ran over his right front tire. It, it's a it's a tough issue, but w- with IndyCar, they're open wheel race cars. You're you're going thirty miles an hour faster than you do in a Cup car there at Pocono. You, you've just got to be smarter. And unfortunately, I think Pocono is going to come off the schedule because of this. And I don't know that it was going to be on anyways, anyways but I think but this I think confirmed, this is, hey, yeah, we're, we're, this is we're done. Dagger. So I just I hope they replace it with another oval because I think that's what makes IndyCar special rather than another Formula One or another open wheel series is they go to some ovals. Uh, and oval racing and, and open wheel, yes, it's dangerous, but it's it's exciting. It's a different form of racing. But back to the actual race is it was really just – it was a, a Pinsky and Scott Dixon battle. Yeah, you had you had willpower, Simon Pagano, and Ferrucci. He was he had a good run there as had well. A good run, and I think part of that was led as you lost a lot of really fast race cars in that opening incident. But weather came into play in this race. It was it, it was an interesting race with weather. You had that opening lap incident, but. Really, it looked like it was it was going to be early. It looked like it was going to be a battle between Simon and, and Scott, and then Will shows up a little bit later. Will Power ends up getting the win, seventy two laps short of full distance as weather came into play. They only completed one hundred and twenty eight of the two hundred. Scott Dixon finishes second, Simon Pagano third, so that tightened up the championship because Joseph Newgarden finished fifth. And then Rossi back there in 18th. So the championship kind of gets a little bit closer, although the the distance between first and second expanded. Both Dixon and Pagano get a little bit closer. So I think it's 40 between fourth to first right now. So it's a a close battle. Will Power continues his streak of of winning a race during a year. Is that that streak of, I think it was eight years thought it was longer than that i think it might be longer i can tell you in just a second and of course after we've made our um picks for nascar the entry lists have come out of course um, is there any any changes we should make to those picks i would say no i haven't looked super deep into it i just saw one of the tweets works out um i want to say maybe it is just eight years but i want to say let's see willpower this is great radio <laughs> has won every year since 2008 so 12 years that, that would be 12 so he continues that streak, rain-shortened race. You had a couple incidents after that opening lap crash, so you, you get a couple later restarts. They know weather's coming, but again, willpower wins. Scott Dixon second, Simon Pagano third, Santino Ferrucci. He is in 
He ends up with a really good run, finishes fourth, and everyone was talking about Colton Herta. But Santino Ferrucci kind of running away with Rookie of the Year right now. Joseph Newgarden, fifth. Ed Carpenter, sixth. Sebastian Bourdais, seventh. Tony Kanaan with a really good run for that team who's been hurting for good runs, finishes eighth. And he had a top six to ten car pretty much all day. I think you, I give, uh, you give Tony Kanaan with that car they brought this weekend, which led practice. And it, qualifying got rained out, so he had to start at the back because A.J. Foyt Racing has just been atrocious this year. But I think you give him all 200. I think Tony can work up to sixth. I don't know if he breaks into that, that Penske where, where Joseph was, but Tony with a good run at eighth, Graham Rahal ninth, and Charlie Kimball in tenth. And, again, the championship with three races to go, still really interesting. Real quick, two points as we continue this way-too-long podcast, but that's okay. okay. We've had all summer where we – haven't been able to do this. We got to make up for lost time. Is there, there's two things that, that I kind of want to talk about. One is is the silly season, which is a mess right now. We'll yeah, get to that. We, well, we spent a lot of time on that. Well, and, and Indy cars is is crazy too with the McLaren news. But the, the other thing is we got to make our gateway picks. Gateways this weekend. It'll be Saturday night. I believe you pick first believe i pick first because i picked scott i picked scott dixon last week and you went with alexander rossi gateway's a, a tricky track well and they've only at. they've only been at it because two years there's not a, a great sample size but i like it i like a driver that's really good on these short ovals championship leader i'm going joseph newgarden so I was torn who I was going to take for sure. Um, I was debating Newgarden, but of course it all depended on who um, you took. I'm going to go with the guy who has the best average finish in the two races so far at Gateway. Go Simon Pagano to chip into that championship lead. Um, so we're both going with Penske, which means Alexander Rossi is going to lead. That That's kind of how it's worked in our IndyCar points. And IndyCar point update. I was leading all year until about <laughs> two races ago, which which fits the the schedule of my falling apart. But Trevor leads four thirty to three ninety three. The big thing about the IndyCar series is that final race is worth double points. So two double point races during the year, the Indy five hundred, and then the final race. Which so I just need these next this one and the next one to go my way, and then I'll be sitting comfortably. I would say you want a 50-point gap heading into the final race to feel safe. Well, I'm almost there. Um, But a a nice group of tracks to to finish off the IndyCar season. You get That we know nothing about. Which you've had two races at. And then you go to Portland, where we had one race. And then you go to Laguna Seca, which is this is the first time they've been there forever. So we really know nothing there because these are all new cars since the last time they've been there. They've been through about three generations of cars before they've... Yeah. I like how our IndyCar picks this year have been so, I mean, was it Detroit earlier this year? Where it was Detroit where I picked Joseph Newgarden race two, he wins race one. And I picked Scott Dixon race one, he wins race two. So he picked the winners, and then Alexander Rossi was picked in both races as well, and he never won. But we both picked the winners. They were just opposite yeah, races. Yeah, so we got nothing for it. So the the last thing. And we'll just make this, probably make this a two-hour podcast. Why not? Because we're 13 minutes sure. from there. But the IndyCar 
silly season, which like NASCAR was kind of quiet, everything quietly kind of falling into place, and then something happens to blow it all up, is McLaren has bought into, I'm just going to say bought, but they bought into Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports, and McLaren will now be back full-time in the IndyCar season. That team will be rebranded as Arrow McLaren Racing SPM. So that's a lot to say. That's a lot to say. And if we, if we want to say the whole thing, it's now Arrow McLaren Racing Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports. Yeah, no, but that's too much. They, they kept it at SPM. But it's kind of messed everything up because now you've got two cars. You know Marcus Erickson's gone. Hopefully he can find a ride in, in the IndyCar series because I, I like a, having him here. He, he's done a solid job yeah, in his first been year. All right. and, and for someone coming over from Europe, IndyCar is a little bit different. The, everyone races a little bit harder. Everyone races a little bit closer, and, and you've got ovals. So he's done a good job first year coming over, as has Felix Rosenfist, the two Swedes there that have, have entered the, the fray this year, I think. Felix will be the first driver to be back in the 10 car for a second year for a while. Yeah, he's. I don't think he's under contract. I don't, but if I was year. Chip, he's shown the most. But, and now that we've seen that Alexander Rossi is staying at Andretti. Which, when that happened, it kind of was like everything's real quiet. And then McLaren dropped the bomb that they're coming to IndyCar. Marcus Erickson will be out. And where it gets really interesting is McLaren forced SPM to go Chevy. SPM has a contract with Honda. James Hinchcliffe is under a, he's got a year left on his contract with Schmidt Peterson Motorsports with McLaren has said they will honor. But James Hinchcliffe is also signed with Honda. So now the question is does Honda want to try to get keep Hinchcliffe in a Honda which he does a lot for Honda on the Canadian side. That's why they have him signed. He's a huge ambassador for the race in Toronto. But now what is McLaren going to do? They were another piece of news that kind of fell into place is Honda is going to hold on to Colton Herta as McLaren really wanted Colton in, in one of their cars. But obviously Fernando Alonso's name has been thrown out there. Well, he won't be here full you know, time. You mentioned does Colton Herta end up at Ganassi? I think Colton Herta stays right where he's at. You think so? I think that he's there for another year. I think Colton's looking at other places but has that to fall back on if he so wants it. I know there's a little bit of question about where Harding Steinbrenner sits financially right now, but I think they're going to be okay. That's just my opinion. They'll, they'll get it figured out. The, the interesting thing comes is what's going to happen with McLaren. They've talked about you know, stealing some drivers. There's Santino Ferrucci, who's with Dale Coyne. He says, I'll be back at Dale Coyne next year if no one wants me. And But you look at him, they've also – talked about they've got some other drivers which this is this is the interesting thing is mclaren's got a formula one team they've kind of talked about indycar being a part of not they're going to operate separately but part of that getting a driver ready for formula one they might take their you know formula two driver and send them over to indycar instead of running formula two which i think i think that's awesome that mclaren's doing that because it'll help IndyCar with a worldwide audience, but they've talked about some of those drivers coming over and being on that team. There's just McLaren right now holds the keys to the entire silly season because if James Hinchcliffe says, you know what, I'm going to go with Honda, which so far with what 
he's said is it sounds like he if he's got to pick one or the other and is allowed to pick one or the other he's going to stick in that five car which might not be the five car anymore because mclaren might go we just we don't we know. don't know there, there's a lot we don't know because mclaren laid everything out for us they're playing they they are going to go two cars this year a third car at indy if fernando wants it they, they've even said if Fernando wants to go full-time, we might go three full-time cars. They said we will go three. They, we really think they're going to go three full-time cars in the future. They laid everything out except who the heck is driving these two cars. And with their move to Chevy forcing Honda to lose two cars, you also had Andretti who was thinking about switching to Chevy, but it sounds like they're going to stay with Honda. A pretty quiet, silly season has now flipped and there is a lot of stuff to talk about that, that's going to take a while to fall into place yeah and like like we said there's just a lot of it we don't know at this point you know the, but the isn't big, it fun speculating oh it's great i mean the big domino you know like you said three weeks ago was where's alexander rossi gonna go you know is he gonna stay at andretti is he gonna end up at at ganassi i thought it was gonna be one of those two there's not there's not a ride at penske right now um the way that Pagano and New Gardner running, and Will Power is Verizon. Um, as long as Verizon is there, Will Power will be well, there. And the Rossi to Penske rumor was because Pagano wasn't performing, and then he wins the and GP, then and then he wins the 500, yeah, and then now that, he's that rumor goes yeah, away. Yeah, so now he's, that rumor's gone. Um, then when it was announced he would stay at Andretti, now it goes, okay, where's Felix Rosenqvist going to go? Is he going to stay there? He's only under a one-year contract from what I'd I've like been able to, to gather. Again, I think so. I mean, he took the bumps on the ovals that you kind of thought he would. I mean, it. he had some good runs, had some some quality races. So I'd like to see him back, too. Um, outside of that, who knows? Well, and th- there's some other rides sitting out there. Carlin, are they going to be back? Where are they going to go? Where's Connor Daly going to go? I think Connor Daly's proven that he belongs in the series full-time. And I think, like we talked about with Toyota and NASCAR, I think IndyCar as a whole has a problem right now. There's 26, 27 drivers that deserve full-time rides, and there's only 22 full-time cars right now. I think Meyer Shank with that 60 with Jack Harvey, they were thinking about going full-time, but now they've got an issue because they were alliance with Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports. That team's not going Chevy. Meyer Shank runs Acuras, which Acura everywhere else is Honda, just not here in America because they've got to rebrand stuff for some reason. But they're staying with Honda, so that that gets there. But even if Meyer Shank goes full time, Jack Harvey's their driver. But there's only twenty right now. There's only twenty two full time cars. Carlin might scale back to one. You might get some other teams going. So here's the drivers that it's shown. Again, this is according to Wikipedia, so believe what you want under contract with their teams for next year. All four of Andretti Autosport under contract right now. Zach Beach, Alexander Rossi, Ryan Hunter, Ray Marco Andretti. Scott Dixon, obviously, at Chip Ganassi. Scott Dixon will He's be He's going to have Ganassi a ride until, until he, he doesn't want to. Yeah. Sebastian Bourdais at Dale Coyne. Ed Carpenter at Ed Carpenter Racing. So, again, he's got to ride until either the doors close or he decides he doesn't want to. Graham Rahal, Rahal Letterman, Lanigan, again, in the family. And then the four Penske cars with Joseph Newgarden, Elio Castroneves for, I'm Indy. guessing, the Indy 500. Probably the Indy Probably GP just too. the Indy 5, yeah. And then Will Power and Simon Pagano. 
That's that's all we know at this point. You know, the other Ed Carpenter racing entry, we don't know. Well, and Ed Carpenter only ovals, so you've got his, his Spencer you know, Piggott going to be back. Is Ed Jones going to be back for the that Jordan Dev Jordan King in that? They that was two years ago. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. Um, you know, if Santino Ferrucci jumps to McLaren, who jumps in at Dale Coin Racing and replaces him? Well, there, there's also some Indy Lights drivers that have proven themselves in tests that teams are interested in and, and possibly bringing up. So there, there's, like we said, there's a good 27 to 30 drivers good enough to run in the IndyCar Series right now and only 22 full-time cars. And it's going to be interesting to see where anyone lands. I think last year we talked 36. There were three. We, we talked a possibility of 40 cars at Indy. 36 showed up. I think even more so with, with just the amount of good drivers there are. It, you always talk about how many cars at Indy. Once Indy's over, that that becomes the talk. You're going to have a bunch of cars at, at Indy again because there's just too many good drivers out there right now. It's going to be fun to keep an eye on for sure. So that'll do it for us here on this way too long podcast. <laughs> but again, we we've been sitting at home for the summer, not talking about racing. So we we had a lot to talk about, and this weekend provided a ton of content. So I don't know what we would have done if we were on our normal one hour show on Mondays, as we will be live on air next time, Monday three to four. We'll be back on KZLX FM. So we're, we're happy about that, but. And sorry for the, the length. If you made it all this way, we again, we thank you for, for tuning in. Or if you jumped around, that, that's fine, too. As long as you listen, we're, we don't really care how you listen. We're glad you listened in, and, and we'll, we'll keep it at an hour from here on out, except for our championship special in November. That's a, that's a two-hour live show. So, we're, we're again, thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back on air on Monday. So, for Trevor Mater, I'm Jacob Blair. Thanks for listening. Bye.